Good afternoon and welcome to High Horse Low Force, the NASCAR podcast on the Rich Report platform. My name is Cameron Richardson and joining me as always, Johnny Crane and Josh Snyder. Gentlemen, how are you doing on this lovely afternoon? Sam, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here in Richmond, Virginia, and we're four races into an awesome NASCAR season. I've had so much fun this year so far, and I can't wait to go go on to Phoenix because another slightly different track than we've had so far. And based on what we've seen this season, I think it's going to be fun again. We talked about going into the season, how the field, the parity was so much greater than it was last year. I know we already mentioned this on the radio show, Cam, but the catch you up on the stuff doc i pretty much said that this year it's not going to be a kevin harvick versus denny hamlin trade-off of wins every other week i think there's going to be a driver or drivers winning differently every single week so i love the parody i love the excitement the great season so far let's get back into it at phoenix and this great season continued at las vegas with a pretty high quality race arguably you could say it's the best race of the season so far and maybe the best race on a 1.5-mile oval in this uh, high downforce package. You had 3Y Racing early in Stage 1, and you had comers and goers as well. It was pretty much a Penske versus Hendrick race, but each guy, it seemed like, had an opportunity to win the race. And obviously, Kyle Larson came through to win in just his fourth start with Hendrick, which is the fastest ever for any driver at Hendrick to get their first win with the team. Josh, I'll start with you. What was your reaction to this race and then Kyle Larson picking up the victory? Yeah, Cam, I got to say, last week when we were talking about what's our uh, is, is Homestead the best mile-and-a-half track, I used Las Vegas as an example of a mile-and-a-half that doesn't put, put on very great shows. I got to take that back wholeheartedly. That I was mistaken there because this week was awesome. Three wide for the lead for multiple laps was, it was so much fun. Um, these guys were sure they're full throttle a little bit, but hey, we've exhausted all the complaints we have about the package. It's time to just say this was a fun race. It was exciting to watch. And I was I had a great Sunday afternoon sitting there and and watching watching an exciting race. Um, Kyle Larson drove an absolutely excellent race. I was really impressed with him. I don't think anyone doubted that he would do well in Hendrick equipment, but this really reinforces how good he is, how talented of a driver he is. He was finding speed all over the racetrack. So I was really impressed by him. And really, I would not be surprised if he is right there in the round of eight and even the round of four in at the end of the season. Right. I think when you look at the Vegas race, I don't think it was an A-plus race, but I think a solid B race, maybe A-minus here and there. I think that could definitely account for what this race was. Now, you know, the final 50 or so laps were pretty chalk. Kyle Larson pretty much dominated at that point. But leading up to those final 50 laps, like you said, Josh, it was a lot of lane changes. A lot of the lanes worked. A lot of the speed worked. It wasn't just a, a fuel window race on who would run out of fuel quicker before the other drivers. I think this race was actually pretty exciting for what the package is. And I think moving forward, once you look at next season and beyond with the next gen car, maybe the package and maybe the brand new car makes it that much more exciting. So I think overall, Kyle Larson, I think it wasn't so much a matter of if, it was more so a matter of when he was going to win. But the fact that he's been so dominating so early, and the fact he's already picked up a playoff spot in less than five starts with Hendrick, that's a very impressive feat. And I think that's just a testament to how stacked Team Hendrick is this year. 
they're pretty much pretty much four deep, I would say. Yeah, and we said on the radio show that we just recorded a little bit ago that it's a potential we get all four hundred cars in the uh, semifinals. They could all be in the round of eight. I think they all have that potential. Alex Bowman has struggled the most, but even he's not had a terrible season. He ran well at Las Vegas, but then cut a tire late, so that's not really on him. And then obviously Anthony Alfredo. <laughs> I mean, that, that could have been something <laughs> dangerous there. I think Alfredo had to avoid him. He said he needed some uh, dude wipes after that, which was quite quite the remark. Uh, but speaking of Larson, does this make him, especially with his consistency to start this year, is he a title threat? We all thought it was Chase Elliott's year to lose, but insert Kyle Larson has pretty much ran well at every single race this year. He would have finished second at the Daytona Road Course had he not tried to really go full set on Hamlin and then crash into one of the retaining barriers. But should Kyle Larson be taken as the favorite over Chase Elliott right now, Josh? It's going to be interesting this week, especially because Phoenix is the championship track. And we haven't had a track smaller than a mile and a half so far this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how Kyle Larson runs. Obviously, Chase Elliott had something figured out last year at Phoenix. And I would expect Larson to to show up, too. He's he's run really well at Phoenix in his career. And so I expect him to do well. But the question is just how well is he going to do? If he shows up and he runs in the top five all day and contends for a win again, Absolutely. I think Kyle Larson is in the title conversation. I think he already is. He's he was in it at the 500 in it at the road course and and top five in a win at two mile and a half. It doesn't get much better than that to start. So he's shown speed all over the racetrack in terms of high lines, low lines at Vegas and Homestead. And he's also shown speed at different types of racetracks. But this weekend, I think especially we're going to get a real real indicator of where we're going to see Kyle Larson go come playoff time. I think it's really impressive to keep in mind that going into this season, it was pretty much the first time he was in a NASCAR car in pretty much a year. And the fact that he's adapted so quickly, he's already showing the speed, he's already showing the chemistry with his brand new team and whatnot. I think that's very impressive. And I think the X factor for him moving forward now the short tracks and the road courses don't take up the majority of the schedule, but if he can improve upon his short track numbers and road course numbers, given how stacked the road courses are this year in the schedule, I think that will just make him that much more of a maneuverable driver to add on to that speed. That way he can really implement and adapt and emphasize on all of those lanes that you mentioned, Josh. So I think right now, again, it's early. It's very early in the season, but right now he has the speed. He has everything going for him. So I think it'd be pretty naive to say he's not a championship contender. Yeah, I also think it's going to be important when he runs into to see what happens when he runs into some adversity. I think we often talk about gelling with with your team and with your crew when drivers join, <clears throat> go to new places. And I think that's really important, but it's going to really show that that significance of gelling with his team is going to show when he goes through some kind of adversity, whether it's something like Bowman cutting a tire with 15 to go or getting, getting hooked in it and crashing out of a race that he was in contention for something like that. That's when we're really going to see how Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels work together and how they're going to be able to move through that because in, in the playoffs, you aren't. it isn't going to go perfect every time like it did for Tony Stewart in 2011, right? 
there's going to be something they're going to have to work through. And I, I'm interested to see how they get through something like that. Now, sticking with Larson, I kind of want to bring this up because it's kind of a touchy subject. Now, a lot of people obviously were pretty much up in arms. NASCAR Twitter went into flames after Larson's win because he had people calling it redemption. You had David Land calling it a revenge, but that was for different reasons. But then, it was it, it was a very you know I think the room felt kind of odd because you're like okay Larson just came back he still is known as the guy that said the slur on the Twitch stream but I want to ask you guys I think there are people out there that when they see Larson win they think oh well there's still he's being rewarded after doing this terrible thing last year but Larson's doing some great stuff off the track as well he's got a charity started. He's doing good things, but will his redemption come from still only doing good things off the off the track, or can he uh, kind of find that redemption and you know uh, being sort of grounded and staying humble even when he's finding success like this? Yeah, I mean, I, it was no surprise that Kyle Larson was going to succeed in in a Hendrick car, and I think he was the favorite for the Hendrick car last year before before the entire scandal happened, right? So I think he was going to be in this Hendrick car, and I think people thought he was going to succeed in it regardless. And so now that he has, I don't think that should be a shock to anyone. And so it's about it. I agree with you, Cam, that it's about his sincerity of what he does off the track. Winning on the track is good for his career, and it's good for for sponsors in the future and things like that. But in the end his personal redemption has to come from how sincere he shows himself to be off the track. Right. The whole incident happened off the track, like you mentioned, Josh. So I don't really see how anything he does on the track can take back what happened off the track. These are two completely different scenarios, completely different incidents, completely different environments where the stuff happened. There was no denying that Kyle Larson had the driving capabilities and he had the talent. If he didn't have the talent or the capabilities, he would not be in a Hendrick car. In fact, he'd probably not even be in an NASCAR car right now, I don't think. But like y'all have both said, it's all about the charity and what you do off the track. Because what he said in the context that it was said and how casual it was said, in the grand scheme of things, that is something that really can never be taken back. But the only way you can start to say that, yes, I have been a better person. I have learned from this experience. I have actually learned, learned, as opposed to just saying I apologize because I got caught. Only that stuff, that stuff can only be solved by what you do internally with yourself and what you do with organizations, charities, whatever it may be, to correct the wrong that you did in that situation. It's not about winning races. It's not about getting polls. It's not about getting stage wins. It's about making yourself a better person. And the only way you can be a better person is doing what Larson is doing off the track. It's nothing to do with the driving capabilities at all. Nothing. Yeah, and with uh, Kyle Larson, obviously he won this week. But then the cycle of, you know, this sort of athlete doing something wrong on Twitch continued yesterday. Myers Leonard of the Miami Heat using an anti-Semitic slur. Now it's kind of like, oh, well, now the cycle repeats itself. Kyle Larson said it last year. Here's a new guy in the month of March using another slur 
over a Twitch stream. I brought it up on the show, but I'll ask you, Josh. Should athletes, if you were a GM or an owner of a team, would you even allow your athletes to have their own Twitch accounts, allow them to stream video games? Because knowing, look, we don't talk, you know, professionally when we're playing video games. We just don't. This is not reality. We all are pretty much R-rated when it comes to playing video games. So if you were an owner and knowing some of the athletes that have gotten in trouble with things they've said over, you know, video game streaming, would you even allow your athletes to do this? It's a tough decision because on the one hand, it's good for athletes to to stream video games and connect with fans and and do the things that and show fans that, you know, they do the things that they like to do. On the other hand, it it hurts everyone when you do what Myers Leonard and Kyle Kyle Larson did. So I don't know if I would ban it, but I would have a real talk with them that, hey, remember that you want to show yourself to be unique and, or not unique you want to show yourself to be someone who who does what your fans do you play video games but always got to remember that it's not just video games when you're streaming live on twitch it's it's a little different because you're streaming to the public it's essentially a media session when you're when you're streaming so that's what i would say to players but it's a tough decision i'm no lawyer i haven't taken contract law at all i don't know what the pr side of things are but the contract for the player states that you will do this for me on the court, on the field, on the track. That's what the contract states. That's what you're getting paid for. And I think to a degree, athletes, drivers, whoever, they have the right to do what they want on their free time. Whether it's to have a social media account, whether it's to live stream, whether it's to do whatever to be them as an individual person as opposed to them being an athlete or a driver for a team or franchise. There has to be a fine line between personal life and public persona. But what you need to know is that once you go on a live stream, Twitch, you go online, you go on a social media, given how technology is increasing, given the fact that there's a camera on everybody now, there's always someone recording, there's always a photo being taken, there's always a sound bite being found, once you go on social media, once you go on those live streams, you got to be careful. It's not so much the teams controlling them. It's more so just common sense because you don't say that stuff anyway And what was said. You don't say that stuff anyway. It's a common sense thing. It's a character thing. And I think for the teams and the players, they have to find that fine line between, yes, you can go on it, but here are the consequences if you screw up. That needs to be very clear. I don't know if that's very clear right now, given the context of what happened with Larson and given the context of what happened in the NBA yesterday. So I think teams and players are going to have more discussions about this in the future. But I don't think that teams need to dictate and control what the athletes and drivers do in their personal time because they're not getting paid to do that for the team unless the team wants to pay them. I don't know. Let's shift gears to the Xfinity series. How about AJ Allmendinger, a guy that we've known as a road course ringer. He was kind of upset in his post-race press conference. He was like, oh, well, I'm only known as a road course ringer, but we're doing well on ovals too. He kind of took a little bit of offense to that. It was pretty passive, but still, you could see it in his kind of facial expression. He was kind of upset that people were only referring to him as being good on road courses. So I'll ask you all, is he... 
Austin Cedric's biggest challenger to the Xfinity title, or is there someone else out there that can sort of that can uh, knock off Cedric this year? I keep waiting for Harrison Burton to step up and and challenge Cedric. Now Cedric bumped him, moved him right out of the way this week. Uh, but I, I do think Harrison Burton will step up at some point and get things get things more back on track and challenge Cedric. But hey, AJ Allmendinger looks good. He looks like he's a man on a mission. He's happy to be at colleague it looks like he's happy to be racing full-time and competing for wins and i wouldn't underestimate him at all as being one of if not the main challenger to cindrick's reign here we got to keep in mind that the whole beef against almondinger and being just a road course guru that was pretty much the mo on cindrick last year yeah he can do really good at the road courses but can he win at the phoenixes of the world and whatnot well guess what that's pretty much what happened and Cindric is now a champion i think you have to take into account that yes aj allmendinger can definitely if he takes Cindric's route no pun intended i think he can definitely make a run at Cindric for the championship and i think when you add in the likes of maybe daniel hemrick who's looked pretty solid this year noah gregson harrison burton like you said i think the field's a lot more stacked and look we've already mentioned the parody in the cup but the carry the Parody. The parody in the Xfinity series, I think, is a really underrated too. And I think that there are a lot of names that I think, on paper and in theory, could give Cendric a run for their money. Yeah, I mean Brandon Jones and Cam. I, I'm and Johnny. I don't know what you guys think of Brandon Jones, but he's taken a lot of flack in years in years past for being in rides that maybe he doesn't deserve and tearing up a lot of cars. But he finished third this weekend, and he looks to be kind of finding his own finding his his role there in the xfinity series in a in a really good car so i wouldn't count him out uh, i'm not not totally sure what you guys think i know that's sort of a hot take but yeah sort of redemption stories for both brandon jones and austin Cindric, two guys that tore up their cars when jones was at richard childress and Cindric was at roush fenway they i mean it was like every week these two were involved in an accident it wasn't so much Brandon Jones was bad in these races. He was just a moment where he just wrecked the car. It was honestly pretty shocking at the the consistent rate that he was wrecking. And now it's Riley Herbs, unfortunately. He's now four for four in incidents. And honestly, none of them are really his fault. He's just running into accidents. Like I said, he's an accident magnet in the Xfinity series now. So maybe it's just maybe it's a cycle in the Xfinity series. Someone has to be that guy that gets involved in almost every single wreck. And now it seems to be Riley Herbst in the 98. I guess I, another topic I, I didn't add to what our planned thing, but if anybody listened to Ty Dillon's uh, little podcast, he had a little fitting segment on uh, just the mental struggles he's battling. He's at a low point. He said he's at a low point in his NASCAR career right now. And obviously when you mention, anybody mentions the Dillons, you're going to get all the NASCAR old heads that say they're Silver Spoon, that they didn't deserve the rides that they had. And honestly, in recent years, I think they've aged better for me. Austin Dillon is starting to perform a lot better than he's had in the past. And Ty Dillon just, look, Jermaine Racing was never going to be a race-winning team. And it's just, we thought Ty Dillon would kind of earn that ride and it just never came about. Here he is in the Xfinity Series uh, getting opportunities with Joe Gibbs and just suffering some incredibly bad luck. So if you all listened to it, what were your, what were your thoughts on Ty Dillon's uh, little segment? I actually I haven't listened to it, but I I've heard that it was pretty powerful, and I think it it sounds like it shows some of the or reveals some of the struggles that that 
NASCAR drivers go through and that it's not super easy to travel around the country every weekend. And you've got one race every weekend to perform. And a lot of it, it can go bad really quickly and it can go bad even if it's not your fault. So, and that, this is these guys' lives. So it's, it's difficult. And I think it's important to, to recognize that and good on Ty Dillon for, for manning up and, and talking about it. Yeah, and look, I'm not going to say that drivers 20, 30 years ago had it easier, but when you add to the fact that, yes, it is a daily grind from going across the country, the time differences, when you add in the fact that, yes, there are cameras on you constantly, you're constantly being recorded, you're constantly being put, being combed with a fine-tooth comb on everything you do personally, publicly, in the car, out of the car, you add all that together, it's a very stressful life. And that's a life that it's not only a driver thing, it's an athlete thing. It's pretty much if you have a public image and you're quote unquote famous and you have a following, it's very tough to make sure that you're doing your job while also making sure that you're looking out for your fans too. Because the fans can turn on you very quickly and you have to really pretty much have a tough skin and overcome that if that happens. It's very tough. No, I agree. And going back to the Xfinity Challenger, I, I, I think we got a couple of redemption arcs coming for John Hunter Nemechek and Daniel Hemrick. I think John Hunter Nemechek should be the favorite to win the truck title at the moment. Ben Rhodes, of course, won the first two races, but I think John Hunter Nemechek is just really going to show out as the season goes on in a KBM uh, truck. And obviously, Daniel Hemrick has got four top tens to start the year. He's just done incredibly well with a good ride. And again, like Almondinger, like Hammer, these are two guys that don't come from all money. You know, they've sort of earned their way based on pure talent. Ryan Priest is another example as well. He got a top 15 at Vegas, but no one's really talking about it. Ryan Priest right now is a playoff driver, and he's not expected to run the full season, but he's earning that sponsorship to stay in the Cup Series at the moment. So I see um, a guy like Almendinger, who wasn't obviously the best at the cup level. John Hunter Nemechek, in the, who wasn't great in cup last year, doing well in truck. And Daniel Hemrick as well. I think Hemrick and Almendinger give Cedric their best run, but I'm going to pick Henry, uh, Daniel Hemrick right now to be that challenger to Austin Cedric. All right, it's time for our fun little lightning round segment. Go, 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 or check up, check up, where I throw out a potential – scenario and these two go 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 whether and they agree on it or check up check up and they sort of disagree and we talk about why all right lads let's do it ty gibbs returns to the xfinity series this saturday at phoenix raceway and ty gibbs will make it two for two to begin his xfinity career check up check up or go 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 josh i'm gonna have to check up on that one i think he should perform well i think he's gonna I'd I'd say more of a top ten, uh, but picking him to win again for two two in a row, I can't quite go there. Yeah, given what Phoenix is, given the parity of the field, the strength of the field, not to take away from Tiger's first one, that was a very impressive win, but following that up with a win at Phoenix, it's it's very tough to see. Not impossible, but very tough to see. So, yes, check up on that, please. You know what? I'm going to insert myself, and I'm going to say go, go, go. Ty Gibbs, last year at Phoenix in the ARCA series, was dominating that race. And, obviously, we had a bunch of late cautions, and Johnny knows all about it. We had the 
kerfuffle at the end running eight caution laps because the NASCAR couldn't set the field correctly. It was an absolute mess. And then Ty Gibbs lost on the ensuing restart and was very upset after. And we all know the conversation I had with Ty after. But I'm going to say he he gets that redemption. We've been, we're running a theme of redemption today. That's, that's what this episode is. I think Ty will make it two for two. All right. Go, 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 or check up, check up. All of Stuart Haas Racing will once again finish outside the top ten. Uh, go, go, go. Why not? It looks like they're having a lot of trouble this week, this this year. Last week was absolutely atrocious. They Kevin Harvick said they just missed it on all levels. The Harvick has been carrying that organization for a little while now, and this year it seems like they're they're struggling. And so outside the top 10, Harvick had a little trouble last year at the championship race. He wasn't in the final four, but I remember him having trouble with his car. I don't see Chase Briscoe or Cole Custer uh, rising out of their struggles anytime soon. And Eric Almirola, this isn't the place where he normally finds a lot of speed. So I'm going to say, go, go, go. All of Stuart Haas finishes outside the top yeah, 10. I mean, it could just be a one-off. They just missed their setups, and then the adjustments just weren't yeah. good enough. But to finish all a lap down, they have a team that should be competing for titles, all finish a lap down, definitely not a good sign to start the season. All right, Johnny, what do you think? The last time Kevin Harvick finished outside the top 10 at Phoenix, I was reading Charles Dickens, like my sophomore year of high school. The last time he finished outside the top 15 – was 2011 when I was probably struggling with algebra or literature or something like that. Look, I'm not saying that it's not impossible. Nothing is impossible. Not with the low downforce, not with Phoenix of all places, but Kevin Harvick has not finished lower than ninth since 2013 at Phoenix. I just, I don't see it where every single Stuart Hosh driver finishes outside the top 10. Someone has to catch a little bit of a break, and that's assuming that they aren't dominant at some point of the race. I just think Kevin Harvick is too good to finish outside the top 10 two weeks in a row. It's so a crazy season. Up. Anything it, can happen. That's true. That's true. And finally, go, 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 or check up, check up. Hendrick will make it three in a row and sweep this short in West Coast swing. I'm going to say check up, check up. I think... Penske was really good on these mile tracks last year. I think Logano won the spring Phoenix race, and then Keselowski won at least one Richmond race. So I'd, I, I'm going to say I think either Penske driver or Kyle Busch will win this this weekend. So I'm going to have to check up on the on the Hendrick guys. Although I would not be shocked if Chase Elliott runs in the top five all day. He really he had something special last year at Phoenix. I promise I'm not Homer, but you know what? I'll be the contrarian. I actually think I'm going to go, 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 go. William Byron's looked really good. We already talked about Kyle Larson. Chase Elliott is going to be up near the top. But Alex Bowman, you know, he's looked pretty good here and there. I think he might actually cash in and maybe make a good run at it too. All four of these cars are really, really fast. And when you add that to the low downforce conditions, they're really maneuverable. Barring anything mechanical, barring any mix-up, barring any caution, I think one of these four could most definitely win. And you know what? I'm going to say one of the four wins. All right. Finally, we're going to close out this episode. Looking ahead to Phoenix. Uh, I think it's pretty simple what I'm looking forward to. That is the 
what could be the new in-team rivalry between Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. I think everyone probably jumped train to Kyle Larson after he won at Vegas the way he dominated Vegas. And because he's off to such a good start this season, those Chase Elliott fans, I don't know where they came from. You know, I don't know if they were Dale Jr. fans that came to Chase Elliott, but maybe they'll shift to Kyle Larson. And maybe Chase Elliott's going to have a little bit of chip on his shoulder. You know, I thought it was going to be more so Ryan Blaney versus Chase Elliott in terms of fan base, but I think Kyle Larson is just, his stock is just continuing to rise. And I think that's going to be pretty much my story to watch because this will be the championship race in November. And I, I do think a Chevy will be in victory lane. I think we're going to have another Penske versus Hendrick battle on our hands. And I, that's how I see this playing out and how the season potential play out will be Hendrick versus Penske. But Josh, uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend at Phoenix? I think that I like your your idea of a Larson Elliott rivalry and rivalry produces competition. Competition usually produces better results. I'm not saying we're getting another Jim, Jimmy and Jeff rivalry here, but Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott are two really, really talented drivers. So I think it's going to be fun to, to watch them compete this year. And I don't think Chase Elliott is going to go away quietly. He's going to get himself at least a few wins. Kyle Larson will probably do the same. It's going to be fun. And starting this weekend at Phoenix, I I agree that Penske will be up there. I'm going to go with Penske winning this race. Uh, I'm going to say Brad Keselowski or Joey Logano, but I I wouldn't Kyle, I wouldn't count out Kyle Busch either. Kyle Busch has some really great finishes at Phoenix. Um, he has 23 top five or I'm sorry, 22 top tens and 31 starts at Phoenix. And four out of his last five races, he's been in the top three. Don't count him out because if there's ever a time that Kyle Busch is going to return to form, I think it's going to be this week at Phoenix. So look for him, Logano, and Keselowski. Since I didn't even think about that, but now you bring up the Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon comparison. Now all of a sudden, <laughs> I see Larson Elliott possibly in that same light for the next four or five years. It could be a thing. I am now very interested in this p- potential rivalry. Johnny, what do you got to say to that? Sounds very intriguing indeed. Very exciting. The old heads might not like it right off the bat, but maybe in due time, maybe it definitely comes to that. But going back on the Penske train real quick, not to root for them, but I think we already know that they haven't been the friendliest of sorts this year to each other. And maybe this race that could either solve a lot of those problems or it could make a lot of those problems a lot worse. I think when you look at those three drivers, I think all three could definitely make a run at the win, but once they have to rely on each other on those restarts to get that bump from behind, something like that, maybe that causes a little more drama. Maybe they get too much bump. Maybe they don't get any bump at all. When you look at Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and company, maybe there's more drama that happens because of what happens in this race, for better or worse. Definitely looking forward to it. For a second straight weekend, I will be on site at Phoenix Raceway, although I'll be jammed in the media center this time. So I'll be watching on the monitors just like you guys. I can see a little bit of the drivers coming out of the dog leg, but that's about it. That's all you get in the media center. That will do it for this edition of High Horse, Low Force. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to all of our podcasts on Spotify and Apple. For Josh Schneider and Johnny Crane, I'm Kim Richardson. And we will see you next week for another episode of High Horse, Low Force. Have a great rest of your day.